0: Let me tell you a story. His father taught him the secrets of magic. How one plucks the threads of creation from the world around him. With Nod of One, the spell's begun, he told his son, spinning yellow energy around his fingers. With not of Two, the spell comes true his son replied, producing blue threads of his own. Their knots continued, different colors and purposes for each. Healing and well-being of green and emerald hues. Protection and warding of blue and turquoise. Love and good fortune of red and ruby. Cursing and hexing of black and onyx. The gift of magic is used best when used wisely. His father told him, "Be careful what you use the power for." The son nodded as he completed his spell. With knot of nine, what's wished for is mine," he said, enwrapping his chosen multicolored threads together in the final knot. The energy conjured was released into the world, and his spell was complete. The father smiled at his son, knowing the future was secure, for their work had only just begun. Grand tidings, and welcome to you on this, the fifth episode of Beyond the Seas. My name is Kieran, and here we are again. This show is just so much fun to research and to put together, and I am just having such a wonderful time. I think probably the hardest part of the entire venture is... All of, like, the unknown ambient sounds in the background. I do live in New York City, so you always have to hold for sirens or the screaming child or a dog, the heating pipe in the corner of your room, someone's vacuum who lives in the apartment upstairs. But, regardless, it's still a lot of fun. This week, I wanted to introduce and discuss a topic that sets up next week's episode, both of which are fascinatingly interesting topics and beyond relevant to the study of folklore and the craft. So today, let's take the time to look at what it is like, as neo-pagans, to weave energy. What exactly is Earth energy? Energy. How does one attune to the inherent energies within ourselves and nature? What are the different threads of creation? What are the steps to first build a foundation and then make more intricate outcomes? For now, grab your favorite bottle of red. Find a comfy chair. And close your eyes as I tell you the tale of weaving energy and take you beyond the seas. Within our world, the reality in which we flow is bound by natural laws. Our dear and lifelong friend, energy, is inherent within all of them. From the food we eat to the changing of the seasons, even the flow of energy to and from other living beings. Energy is all around us. For there exists, according to quantum physics, an entire field that permeates everything. It is neutral, poised, and ready for use, neither wholly good or bad. This field is what witches believe to be earth energy, inherent within our planet and in nature. First, though, energy is defined as, quote, the capacity or power to do work. Pretty simple stuff, right? Now, That may be the thought in a human's head to get out of bed in the morning to go to work, or the chemical reaction between certain elements to create heat. The fuel in our engines, the conversion of light into food through photosynthesis, and the act of conjuring Earth energy into the circle and weaving it together for certain outcomes. The law of conservation of energy states... That energy is neither created nor destroyed. It is simply converted from one form of existence into another. Where then, though, did energy first come from? Has it always been there in this quantum field that permeates all life and things? A gift from the gods themselves. For when we tap into energy, regardless of its source, it is the conversion of taking it from the giving source and placing it into another. So, when witches cast spells, we conjure the energy from the earth and beyond to act as the fuel for the spell's release into the universe as manifestation. All work and actions done in our reality must have energy to complete. It is both the energy to create the working and the energy needed to see it done that culminate in the transmutation of one thing into another. So for example, the simple act of creating a dinner. The shopping, cleaning of cooking supplies and travel to and from the place of the cooking is the energy needed to prepare the working. Then the proper use of ingredients following the recipe, and of course, eating the finished product is the energy needed to do and complete the act. The energy is created as fuel for the body, which has been transmuted from a series of various ingredients into one singular dish. Other popular examples in our modern entertainment age that show the use of transmutation are shown visually in two of my all-time favorite shows. A Discovery of Witches, and The Wheel of Time. The former shows certain characters, those gifted with strong abilities, seeing the fabric of nature itself and then literally weaving these energies together to create powerful acts of creation. In the latter, characters born with the ability to channel the one power, or in our reality, Earth energy, also see these threads of creation, and, again, literally weave these energies together. Inherent within both shows are the four traditional elements—air, earth, fire, and water— with spirit added in the latter. It is the combining of these various threads together to produce certain outcomes that is of particular interest, one that also poses a question to the modern practitioner. Is this not also what we do today? How, then, does the conversion and weaving of energy in the existence of earth energy itself apply to our folklore and witchcraft? In the former, there are indigenous healing practices that utilize the conjuration of personal, earth, and universal energies to fuel the conversion of imbalance into equilibrium the shaman, in both ancient and modern times, utilizes a series of plants, herbs, and stones, along with ceremonies and rituals to invite the spirits, and of course their aid, to ultimately bring the body and human spirit back into balance while promoting a healing journey. So too did ceremonies involve the practice of drumming to instill a trance-like shift for the inner sight, which, of course, fueled the shaman's flight into the other world, the spirit realm. There, the spiritual leader would bring back that energetic information and wisdom to share with the people. The conjuration of personal, spiritual, and earth energies to fuel not only the flight, but also the transmutation, is fascinating. Take, for instance, the physical dancing tactic to raise energy. The shaman and modern day practitioner begin to intuit the natural rhythms of both self and nature, seen in the growth of frenetic movement, in whatever manner feels most ecstatic, to unite ultimately those two forces together until they are one. Then the climactic moment of energetic conjuration is complete, the magic is acquired and released into the universe. To this day, and based upon the past, the concept of raising energy from the earth in order to empower the workings of the craft is not only required, but also an art in and of itself. How does one, if only just beginning to unite folklore and witchcraft together, attune to these natural rhythms and sources to fuel magic? In my personal practice, there is a sense of first connecting with the self, something that I have come to call becoming sensitive. Then, secondly, following our traditional teachings from craft lore, centering and grounding. The struggle of letting go of ego in order to venture forth with spirit is an extremely difficult thing to do. It requires patience, kindness, and love for the self. In order to become sensitive, begin by closing your eyes, allowing your inner vision to visualize the entirety of your being. Draw your mind's eye farther into your core, your spirit's center. There, in its beating heart, lies the energy of not only your own being, but also the divine itself. Feel its love and warmth how it caresses and supports the all that is you. Then, make it grow. See this light, this energy, flowing from your center to your stomach, your chest, your arms, and legs. See how it suffuses your seven spiritual centers of your etheric body, cleansing all negative energies and unblocking their flow. Allow this light to flow into your head, up through your skull, and out through the top of your head. Float in this cocoon of peace and love, feeling the all that is you. Building forth from the foundation of becoming sensitive, you the practitioner now see your inner light coalescing into a long cylindrical line of light in your body, stretching from your head to your feet. Slowly visualize and feel this line condensing into a small sphere, centered in whichever of the energy centers feels most powerful and meaningful to you. This is centering. Then, move that sphere into your spine, where, at its base, it transforms into roots. These now flow out of your body, down your legs, through your feet, and into the earth swiftly do they travel down through the crust, mantle, and core, straight into the beating energetic heart of the planet. This energy is pure love, pure power. See your own energetic roots communing and relating to this energy before visualizing the earth's power flowing up your roots. Swiftly does it travel upward through core, mantle, and crust up your legs into your body and spine. Now, allow this earth energy to diffuse throughout your body and suffuse you with love and light. This is grounding. When practicing and utilizing these techniques, the sensation one feels are paramount. Notice how these energies make you feel in whichever part of the body they coalesce. Some practitioners feel a tingling, like I personally do. Others feel either warmth or cold. A floating or falling sensation has also occurred. These are indicators that you have successfully tapped into your own personal energy and converted it into a malleable, practical form. Ultimately, this form is what then is directed into your workings to manifest your goals. Inevitably, one will grow to the point of moving the energy collected during centering and grounding to certain points of the body to then be transferred into other objects. So when practicing, feel this energy move down your arm and into your dominant hand where it morphs into a spherical shape. It arises above your hand, poised and ready to suffuse your workings. These three steps are essential empowering your workings. Then, continue your building of energetic relations by sensing the vibrations of Earth energy inherent within trees, crystals, animals, and other human beings. What is interesting to note here is that now you will begin to experience different elemental correspondences in your work. Certain stones will have Earth energy, while others contain water or fire. When working with certain tools or people, air will arise. This, folks, is rather straightforward. Everything in the world is created from atoms and molecules, which further manifest as elements. Certain combinations of elements create different things. So, too, are there metaphysical elements that create the spiritual nature of objects, people, and living beings in our reality. That metaphysical aspect is what we connect to and use in our practices. These elements are the ingredients that constitute the fabric of nature, which the modern-day practitioner is able to draw upon and infuse their workings with in order to manifest their goals. See these different elemental energies as colors in your working, which we will discuss here momentarily. As always, though, begin this work by first becoming sensitive of your own energy, collecting and focusing it through the marriage of centering and grounding, then applying that inner sight towards the energy of other objects and people. Feel your energy coalescing into your hands and out into the object you are seeking connection with. If, for example, it is a crystal, See and feel your gathered energy flowing into the stone in interacting with its energies. Notice how your emotions and sense of self change. Are there new messages in your mind and spirit? New physical sensations? From these two exercises, then, imagine how this inner relationship, not only to your personal energy, but also that of the earth, connects you to this ecstatic quality of drawing even more energy for your personal workings and needs. Refill your drinking horns, your goblets, your chalices, for the second half of Weaving Energy after this brief break. And welcome back. So now, let us talk about the next part, the knots. Specifically, knot magic. There is an interesting journal article by Cyrus L. Day called Knots and Knot Lore that reveals fascinating information, information that is relevant to our discussion today. Quote, The phenomena which people try to control by means of magic knots may be classified under four heads the weather, illness, disease, and death, sex, including love, marriage, conception, and childbirth, and spirits, demons, and deities. The power exerted by magic knots may be either maleficent or beneficent, either intentional or spontaneous, effective either at close range or at a distance, effective either at once or after a lapse of time, and the work either of a layman or of an expert, a witch, wizard, medicine man, etc. Here, one ascertains, <laughs> did you like that word there, ascertains. I love fancy words like that. One ascertains the elemental associations within that list, air and the weather, earth and healing, fire and sex, water and the spirits and otherworldly beings. These, of course, are the elemental associations that I make with that list, but, you know, if other associations come to your mind, then, baby, rock and roll. Regardless, this point underscores the previously made evidence. The traditional elements of witchcraft are inherent within all. Here, we now understand the different threads of creation and their various correspondences. Threads of air energy may be conjured to affect the weather. Various threads of earth may be used to heal the sick and garner protection. With fire and water, these energetic threads may be used to bind love to the self and open communication to the other world. Furthermore, as previously stated, energy is neither created nor destroyed. It is neutral, poised, and ready for transmutation. Therefore, When creating these energetic bindings, different combinations of the elemental energies, they may be used for good or ill, for a short or long period of time, in the immediate area, or extending to the farthest reaches of our world and beyond. As energy is within everything and connects everything, so too do our magics affect everything. With all of these notions in mind, how does one bind the threads of nature together? Here now is a useful act of magic, one that I use for practically everything. It is both specific and general, microcosmic and macrocosmic. It is really all about the intention you place within it. Ergo, the traditional not incantation. This may be an old friend to some of you. And to others, it's a completely new introduction. Either way, here is the working itself. With naught of one, the spell's begun. With naught of two, the spell comes true. With naught of three, so mote it be. With naught of four, the power I store. With naught of five, my spell's alive. With not of six, This spell I fix. With knot of seven, this spell I leaven. With knot of eight, this spell is fate. With knot of nine, this spell be mine. With knot of ten, begin again. Traditionally, this chant is used when physically tying ten knots into a length of cord, thread, or material either of neutral or specific color or colors, depending upon the intention. In terms of our discussion, though, it is of great interest to apply the differently colored energetic threads of elemental energy into the working itself. Or rather than the tangible tying of knots, visualize instead cords of earth energy flowing up from the earth and into your hands as you say the first line. These perhaps may be the color green or perhaps air energy on the second threads of yellow the third fire colors of red and maybe water on the fourth line colors of blue and of course so on and so forth herein lie the great truths of this working this spell is what you make of it by including your creativity with elemental energy while also reminding us all that magic is used best when used simply. So let us say, for example, you were intending to manifest a protective ward around your home from evil spirits. We've all done that one before, right? So fixing firmly in your mind's eye the spell itself, the traditional knot incantation, while also having already done becoming sensitive, centering, and grounding, you may begin to recite the first line by conjuring threads of earth energy into your inner sight in order to bind protection to the house. Then water on the second line to connect you to the spirit world and the previously conjured earth threads. Then fire on the third line to proclaim passionately to the evil spirits, you may not enter here then repeating the series of conjurations twice more on each subsequent third line. Lastly, on the tenth line, you the practitioner might bind all these threads conjured together in your inner sight and release your energetic knot into the universe and home as a final act of manifestation. This new methodology of weaving energy works on many levels. Visualization, energy work, creativity, trust, and intuition. It is a foundation that allows for much sense of individuality and self, while also adhering to the laws of reality. What combinations of threads would you use to draw love into your life? Good fortune and health? Safe travels over ocean and mountain? This working also gifts us with the opportunity to perceive the world and its energies archetypically. The witch sees the energetic associations inherent within his intentions and conjures the necessary threads to manifest his goals. It deepens his awareness, not only of himself, but also of his world. It broadens his understanding intellectually and emotionally. It gives room to the expansion of empathy for his craft and nature all by first attuning to his own sacred energies, by connecting to the flows of the natural world, by becoming sensitive, through centering and grounding, through the conjuration of green earth and yellow air, red fire and blue water, by feeling the threads of creation flow through and around him, by knotting together his desired intention. With knot of one, my spell's begun. With knot of two, my spell be true. With knot of three, so mote it be. With knot of four, the power I store. With knot of five, my spell's alive. With knot of six, my spell I fix. With knot of seven, this spell I leaven. With knot of eight, my spell is fate. With knot of nine, this spell be mine. With knot of ten, begin again. And my magic is stronger because of it. The stories, research, and production elements were done and edited, respectively, by me, Kieran, with sources attached in the description. Be sure to hit the follow button on whichever platform you enjoy the podcast, and look forward to more content next week. Until then, seek the veil between the worlds, and allow yourself to travel beyond the seas.